uh, very, very difficult and trying time. But what we have is when we have those trying times, we need to reflect and think it gives us opportunity to trust in the Lord. I want you to listen to what uh, the Apostle Paul said over in 2 Corinthians in the 12th chapter and down in verse 9. As Paul sought relief from a thorn in the flesh, he prayed three times, and the Lord responded to him, and he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, Well, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, it's through our weakness, our frailties. that his strength is made perfect. That is a prime time to glorify our Lord. Oftentimes when we face situations, we go through it and we're frustrated, and when all else fails, then we trust the Lord. David's kind of in that situation. Everything falls around him. His friends desert him. His enemies mock him. He's going through a difficult time. But what we see in this psalm that David trusts in the Lord. I want you to notice the first four verses. And we're going to see what David looks at as he cries out unto the Lord. He does basically what every human being does that knows the Lord. He cries out for the Lord to deliver him. He cries out for the Lord to deliver him speedily. You know how we do. Lord, answer my prayer. Lord, answer my prayer quickly. You know. We ask for the Lord also to defend us. We ask for the Lord to lead us. We ask for the Lord to guide us. All that we see in these first four verses. Notice he says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. What David does, he cries out to the Lord. And I want you to notice the synonyms that are used for the Lord that David uses in just these. There's actually three verses starting in verse 2. He uses the Lord and depicts him as a strong rock. Notice right after that in verse 2, he describes the Lord as a house of defense or a place where he can take refuge. In verse 3, he calls him my rock, my fortress. In verse 4, he calls him my strength. You see the synonyms that David uses here as he calls upon the Lord. And very simply what he's doing, he's crying out to God for God to be who God is in his life and in his situation. Be his help, be his strength, be his rock. And the reason he does that, he says in verse 3, for your name's sake. 
He wants God to be glorified. Through the trials in his life, he wants God to be who God is that others may see and also fear. So what the Word of God tells us, as he's made his cry, in verses 5 through 8, David looks. He has a backwards look and he has a forward look. And I want you to notice the significance of this. He says, into thy hands, or into thy hand, I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying and vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities, and hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. What David does in verses 5 and 6, he looks at the past, and he draws from that past. He says, you have redeemed me. You've purchased me. You've bought me. He says, I've hated them that regard lying, the emptiness of it. In other words, he separated himself from the ungodly. And as he looks at the past, what God has done, he looks out at the future. His past, how God has worked, gives him assurance for how God will work in the future. When you are in a tight spot, Bad news, possibilities, problems. You've got to look at the past. Look how God has worked in your life. You know what? God is faithful to continue to work in your life. You can see how He's delivered in certain situations. You can see how He's been your strength and how He's glorified His name through the difficulties in life. Therefore, this gives us assurance and how God will work in the future. God is at work. What David did, he said, into your hand I commit my spirit. David committed his spirit into the hand of the Lord. Now you know what? If you're in the Lord's hand, notice what he says down in verse 8 and has not shut me up in the hand of the enemy. If you're in the Lord's hand, the enemy can't get you. You can't be in both hands at the same time. So hear what David's basically saying. The enemy cannot touch him as long as he's in the Lord's hand. You know what there is that where Jesus said that we're in his hand and he's in the Father's hand. You think of that, we're his children. The enemy cannot touch us. Satan is like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he's like a biting lion or an eating lion. He's like a roaring lion. Threatening, slandering, accusing. But you know what? He cannot touch the child of God unless God permits. As long as we're in his hand, we are safe. We're in his hand and what he does. Notice it says in verse 8, the latter part of there, it says, Thou hast set my feet in a large room. In other words, he had space to move around. And he was thankful for that. He's safe in God's hand and God's given him room to maneuver around. 
But what we find, there's a change of the tone in verses 9 through 13. David has called upon the Lord. He's cried out unto the Lord. He's looked at how the Lord's worked in his life. He's looking at how God is going to work in his life. He trusts in the Lord. He knows God will deliver him. But then he cries out in pain. He talks about his suffering. Here goes the up. Now it's going down. In verse 9 he says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly, for my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. What you see, David is crying out because what he's experiencing has affected him mentally. It has affected him physically. It's affected him emotionally. He is going through the whole gamut, you might say, because he says, mine eye is full of grief, consumed with grief. Now, what does he mean by that? I believe he is weeping. He's crying. He's crying because he's physically spiritually, emotionally drained. And what we see when you get to this point, as in David's life, how it's affected him body and soul, you see it affects every part of your life. The physical, his eye, the belly. I believe he had stomach trouble. His soul. There were spiritual problems because he said, because of his iniquity. His strength failed. He was drained. He understood his weakness. And what happens when you're like that? It affects those that are around you. David brings out in this psalm, right in these verses, in verse 11, his enemies reproached him. His enemies mocked him and looked down upon him. In other words, they brought shame to David's name. But not only his enemies, he says, especially among my neighbors, those that were close by, it affected them, and shame came from them also. Can you imagine if everybody turned on you? David is going through this time where it seems like everybody's deserted him. And he says he was a fear to mine acquaintance. That means the one who knew him, the one who knew him well. He was a dread. Can you imagine that, being a dread to the one who knows you best? He says, they that did see me without fled from me. When they saw David coming, they'd go the opposite direction. 
Oh, here comes Brother Steve. Can you imagine how you'd make me feel if you took off running every time I saw you? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine how David felt when even his acquaintances fled from him? They dreaded his presence. The Word of God tells us, David says, here's how he felt. In verse 12, I am forgotten. Just like someone who's passed away. People don't even acknowledge my existence. He says, I'm like a broken vessel or a piece of pottery. Like a pot that's been shattered. And if you've ever seen pottery that's broken on the ground, you know what? It's worthless. That's basically what David is saying about his life. I feel totally worthless, like a piece of broken pottery. Now, we're talking about his feelings. He's expressing how he's feeling as he's going through this difficult time. He's getting slander from his enemies in verse 13. For I've heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. He is being slandered or lied about by his enemies. There are attempts of conspiracy going against him and they even want to try to take his life. They're trying to kill him. Now you know what? If you just have one person trying to kill you, that's bad enough. But he's talking about more than one person. He's talking about there is fear all around. I dare say none of us have been in that situation. But you can see it's magnified in his life. I do believe the most damage that any of us have ever experienced is from other people's tongues. You know what? The tongue is very small, but it's very powerful. When you say something, you can't take it back. The word's gone. If you speak evil of someone, let me tell you something, that has resounding effects. Sometimes I speak too much, and I've got to slap myself. I can't. It's better to have few words than many. There's an old poem, some of y'all might know it, I can't remember it. It's about the wise old owl. The owl, he's a wise old bird. Help me out. Steve, you got it? Ah. Yeah, you're with me. He's a wise old bird, often seen but seldom heard. Why can't we all be more like that bird? And there's a lot of truth to that because in the multitude of words, you know what? We're not going to like sin. And here the tongue has damaged many a life. And in David's life, that's what he is experiencing also. So what David does, he has a petition unto God as he prays. And he cries out to the Lord through the verses 14 through 18. He says, but I trusted in you, O Lord. He's saying he's got his trust in the Lord. Regardless of what all is going around, though there's fear on every side, I'm going to keep trusting in the Lord. He said, you are my God. When there's nowhere else to turn to. 
and it seems like your enemies are attacking. There are people talking behind your back and they're not saying nice things about you. Even your friends think you're a dread and they walk the other way when, you're, when there's nowhere else and it seems like you're totally abandoned. You remember the song we sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Here's what David is doing, I believe. He says, I've trusted in you, O Lord. I said, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servants. Save me for your mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. You hear what David is crying out? His trust is in the Lord. And as he trusts in the Lord, he knows he cannot be in God's hand and in the enemy's hand at the same time. Therefore, his confidence is in God. It's what he's saying in verse 14. He says something that we all ought to say. My times are in your hand. Every one of us in here, our times are in his hand. You know what that means? It means every event in your life every situation in your life, all the circumstances in your life, they're all in His hand. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about the sovereignty of Almighty God. That's why I say life is fragile. We're not guaranteed that we can even see tomorrow. We might lose things. We don't know. That windstorm that come through here... I imagine that 40-year-old lady that got killed with that branch, that that tree that fell on her car, had no idea she was going to leave this world at that time. You know what? We don't know. Right at the end of my block on my street, there is a humongous pine tree. It's leaning like that. You know what? This preacher's going to do? He's not going to go around that way. He's going to go around the other way. I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God. There's a lot of trees that have been uprooted. I mean, massive trees. There's a lot that's loose. You know what? Our times are in his hands. All of our situations. So what David does, he acknowledges that. He acknowledges that his life is in the hands of the Lord. So he asks the Lord to shine his face upon him. That means he wants God's favor. He wants God's favor to be shown toward him. He wants to have the good pleasure of God in his life. That's why he's crying out to the Lord. As he speaks of those that are talking evil about him, the lying about him, he's asking the Lord. As he's calling upon him, as the God and judge of all the earth, to be the divine judge and judge righteously. He knows those that are slandering him should die. 
be silent in the grave. Cut them off, Lord. But he's leaving that judgment up to God. He's not taking the judgment in his own hands. As you come to this point in this psalm, David, at the end of the psalm, and I'm glad it ends like this, it's almost like he bursts forth with praise. I mean, I'm talking about a humongous amount of praise. I mean, I'm talking about he can't praise God enough for his goodness. Listen to what he says in verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness. In other words, David just gets an overwhelming whoosh of God's goodness. And he has to praise God for it. He says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear you. In other words, God's goodness, now he lets it rain upon the just and the unjust, but God's special goodness is upon his people. And he acknowledges that. He says, what you have worked for them, that trusting you before the sons of men. You know what? You cannot exhaust the goodness of God. You can tap into the goodness of God. You can get into His Word. You can get His promises. And you know what? You can walk in fellowship with God, but you cannot exhaust the goodness of God. God's good today. And you know what? I'm going to wake up and God's going to be good tomorrow. Now, you know what? I do have an ink cartridge that came and shipped yesterday. So I will be printing tomorrow. Y'all pray for me. I still believe in the goodness of God, even if that thing spits out another hundred pages. God is good. And we we will never exhaust the resources of His goodness. They are for those who fear Him, is what the Word of God tells us. For them that trust in Him before the sons of men, And what God promises in verse 20, you shall hide them in the secret of your presence from the pride of man. David acknowledges God is hiding him. The reason David has not been killed at this point is because God is hiding him. In his goodness, he's protecting him. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Though tongues are like knives and they're cutting away at David, David ain't going to be affected by it. You see, David is rejoicing in the Lord now. You see, the up and down and the up and down is kind of going back up. So what does David do? He gives more praise because of the marvelous love of God. He says, blessed be the Lord. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. For he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. That word strong, it means a besieged city. In other words, the enemy has it surrounded, like the city of Keilah when David was on the run. In that besieged city, though he might have felt entrapped, what he's saying here, he says... You've shown me your marvelous kindness. Even when I'm trapped in by my enemies. So he's praising God more and more. 
And David says, down in verse 22, For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. David thought, sure, he was a goner. He thought his life was going to end right there. Nevertheless, God heard his voice. And because he answered his prayer, as David cried out to him, David is saying, Oh, how great is your goodness. Blessed be the Lord, for he showed me his marvelous. That word kindness is the word love, the Old Testament word for love. You've shown me your love. And when you experience the love of God, it's like we said this morning, there's no better place to be than knowing that he loves you. And what that does when you start praising God the way David starts praising God, you know what? You're going to exhort other people to praise God. And here's what David does in the last couple of verses. He says, Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. In other words, I'm praising him. I'm thanking him because of his marvelous love toward me. Now you need to love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful... And listen to what it says. He plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Now, what is that saying? Does that mean God blesses the proud doer? No, he rewards him with punishment. So make sure you understand what David's saying here. The one who's proud and the one who's speaking evil, God's going to reward them. They've got a payday coming. And they've got to answer for all their wrongdoings. Then he says, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. In other words, when it seems like the chips are down, there's nowhere to go, be of good courage. He is the one, and he is the only one that can strengthen your heart. You know what, you can call me, but I can't strengthen your heart like the, like the Lord can. You can call your best friend, one another. You can call your spouse. They cannot strengthen your heart like the Lord does. The Lord will strengthen your heart, all you that hope in Him. If you hope in the Lord, He will give you strength. There is no greater strength to be strengthened by than the strength that the Lord gives. Acknowledge this evening. My times are in your hands. I was reading of a missionary to Africa back, I guess, around in the 1920s. And when he heard this portion of Scripture, my times are in your hands, or in his hands, he said, here's how African people would interpret that. All my life's whys and all my life's whens and all my life's wheres and all my life's wherefores are in God's hands. You know what? Everything you do, it's in His hands. I am so thankful Brother David was at peace with the Lord. You know what? It's kind of bittersweet. We don't, we don't mourn like the world mourns. He had a peace about him. He had a peace about him pretty much through his life. Have you ever noticed that? He was just pretty even killed. Him and Sister Shirley might go like that. But you know what? It was in love all the time. 
I thought they were fighting. I told him, I really got y'all fighting the other night, didn't I? He said, no, we weren't fighting. <laughs> well, okay. It's just the way they love each other. Special. And he had a peace about him because he had peace with the Lord. Our times are in his hands. You know what? That's true for the saved and the lost. And if you know not the Lord, let me tell you, your time is in his hands too. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were telling me they believe that and he's somebody that doesn't go to church, says he's a believer, doesn't know much of the Word of God, knows some. But he says, you know what I believe? I said, what? He says, I believe. God's got it written down in a book when we're going to die. I said, you know what? I believe that too. It's appointed unto man wants to die. And then the judgment. The best thing you can do is be ready. Know him who died for us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And you know what? He'll strengthen your heart. God can do it. Let's stand and we'll have a hymn of invitation. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we look at the life of David in Psalm 31, we cannot fully imagine all the turmoil in that day and time. We have so many different advantages with electricity, with communications. Lord, there was none of that in that day and time. He was in a besieged city. No communication in or out. And yet you hid him and protected him and kept him in your hand. Delivered him and strengthened him. Lord, we know that you can do that for us too. Though our times are different and though our things that go on in life are different, we know you keep us in your hand. Help us to see your sovereign handed work in our lives. And ultimately, Lord, we pray this for your namesake, that you might be glorified that you might be exalted. Work effectually and mightily in our midst for Christ's sake. Amen. We're going to sing Trusting Jesus.